Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Today's reading is taken from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 19. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life, because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Priya. Morning, everyone. John has got a serious problem. Not, not our John, although this morning his voice is a little bit huskily manly for my liking. No, I'm talking about John who wrote the letter that Priya uh, just read an extract from. And the problem is that in the few decades since Jesus' death and resurrection, this group of ragtag fishermen and tax collectors have become a global movement, spreading right across the Middle East, into Africa, and into Europe. Now that's a good thing, of course, but the problem is that the church has become very disparate and hard to keep an eye on. Now, St. Paul, in most of his letters, he wrote to specific churches or groups of churches in particular places like Philippi, Ephesus, Corinth, etc., but this letter from John, so far as we know, was sent out right across the church. And he wanted to encourage the believers in their faith. He also wanted to warn them about infiltrators, people who were joining the church, even taking positions of leadership in the church with impure motives. He wanted to warn them about people who were denying that Jesus was the Son of God. He wanted to warn them about people who were denying the Holy Spirit or spirituality. And in this particular passage, he's wanting to warn them of people who talk the talk, but do not walk the walk. 
Specifically, John is talking about love. And in these uh, nine verses, he's talking about the why, the what, and the how of love. So why? Why talk about love? Why is it important? Well, for John, it's important because God is love. God is love. And Jesus is the perfect manifestation of that love on earth. And if we want to be followers of Jesus, then we need to live out that love in our lives. In verse 10, John says, this is the message we have heard from the beginning. Love one another. This is the message. This is the gospel that's been given to us. God is love and we are called to love one another. Of course, that's taken as the second part of Jesus' two-part great commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the message that we've heard from the beginning of Jesus' ministry that maybe we've heard from the beginning of time. Love one another. That's the why. So what is this love? Well, in verse 16, John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So this love, this godly love, is not just an airy, fairy, Hollywood, is it raining? I hadn't noticed kind of love. It is that, but it's so much more. It's so much deeper and richer and truer than that. Godly love is self-sacrificial love. It's self-denying love. It is others-preferring love. It's the love that is exemplified in the life and death of Jesus. That's the kind of love that we're talking about here. The kind of love that puts others first. So that's the why and the what. What about the how? Well, in verse 18, John says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Actually, we can't live out this kind of godly, self-sacrificial love by saying the right things. It just doesn't work. It has to be lived out. It has to be enacted. In fact, John goes too far to say, if you don't live out this kind of love, you might as well just be a murderer. It's hyperbole, of course, but serious nonetheless. You can say... All the, all the lovely, loving things you want. But if it doesn't affect the way you live, you might as well be a murderer. You can know all the words to God of justice and raise your hands in the air as passionately as anyone. If you don't live a life of love, you might as well be a murderer. You can know your Bible inside out and quote the whole of Habakkuk. But if it doesn't affect the way you live, you might as well be a murderer. You can come to church every Sunday, you can lead a home group, you can go to all the prayer meetings, you can even genuinely love and worship God. But if you don't live a life of love, self-sacrificial, self-denying, others-preferring love, you might as well be a murderer. 
They are challenging and life-changing words. They are, of course, words that we can and should apply across the whole of our lives. But today, in particular, we are thinking about how, how this kind of godly, lived-out love applies in the context of race, ethnicity, colour and culture. This is the second of our two-part series, Conversations About Race. Last week, Darius preached brilliantly. And by the way, if you haven't heard that, I really urge you to go onto our podcast or our website and listen to it. It is essential listening. And Darius expounded for us a theology of race built upon uh, Acts chapter 10, where Peter and Cornelius meet. It was brilliant, his sermon, and it, and it spoke to us about how this, is, uh, this whole, how we deal with matters of race is not an optional extra to discipleship. It is a crucial and essential part of our discipleship. We need to take this seriously. And so today I want to build upon that theology and to look at, well, so what do we do about it? If loving one another needs to be enacted, what are the actions that we might take as individuals and as a church? Let me just take a step back from that for one moment, though, and explain that So, over the last couple of years here at Emmanuel, as we've been thinking uh, about matters of race and ethnicity, of colour and culture, uh, I've been thinking in sort of three ways, listening, conversations and actions. So we began by setting up a listening group to hear from people from across our congregations and from diverse cultures, backgrounds, uh, what it's like to be at Emmanuel. And it's been incredibly challenging and incredibly rewarding. And the conversations and the actions that we are taking and that we intend to take come as a result of that listening process. Of course, this listening conversations, actions is not linear, so that listening process continues. But so we're wanting to foster and facilitate conversations. That's part of what we're doing here in a sermon. I realize this is kind of a one-way conversation. But we're wanting to open up these topics and talk about these things that are so easy to sweep under the carpet. It's why we're encouraging home groups uh, to be thinking and talking about these things. And it's why we want to encourage people across our congregations to, uh, to, to open up these conversations and we'll, uh, we'll come to that more in a few moments time but this week I had a conversation with two wonderful women uh, from our church, Araba and Indica uh, and we recorded that conversation on Zoom it was a conversation where we were specifically thinking about what it's like to be at Emmanuel and about how Emmanuel might take some next steps to being a truly diverse and inclusive church so we're going to watch that video now. It's several minutes long. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. So I've been at Emmanuel for two, just over two years. Um, and what drew me is just being included and how inclusive I, um, it was when we first came in for the service. And I think the biggest impact was within a month of us starting the service, having tools pray for me and with me um, about, you know, concerns that I had in terms of getting pregnant. And um, within a month and a half, we found out we were having a baby. So <laughs> I um, think she might have spoken very highly of me to God. So I can, <laughs> I can only thank her yes. for that. 
yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But Araba, your first service was a mayhem one, right? So, but you still decided to come back. Yeah, it, 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 it threw us, if, if I'm honest. We thought the church started at 10 and we walked in and Elle looked at me and went, are you sure this is a normal <laughs> service? <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. But no, it was fantastic. It was, um, it was a great introduction to the Emmanuel that we've grown to love. Mm -hmm. Nice. How about you, Indica? When, when did you first come to Emmanuel? Um, so for me, it was back in 1988. Wow. Uh, after one of my uncles <laughs> who lived near the church, he said to my mum and to my aunts, you know, why don't you come to the church here? So it ended up becoming like a real family thing on a Sunday. I mean, my mum, my brother, my aunts and cousins, mm -hmm. we'd all meet up at church mm -hmm. and the service. I'd go Sunday school and then afterwards we'd go back to my uncle's house like coffee and cake, but the kids would get Marks and Spencer's square crisps and a glass of orange juice. Together <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. No. It's like a real family thing for us. Mm -hmm. Great memories. And, and have you seen the church change much over that over that time? It definitely has. So when we first started attending, the only non-white people there were literally my family. And then as I've sort of come through the years there's been a definite increase in the number of sort of black and Asian people attend attending, which is really, really nice to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been here thus, Ben? Uh, I have been at Emmanuel for f about five years, just over five years now. Yeah, so we came, we came five years ago. And I think even in that time, actually, we've, we, we've, there's definitely um, an increasing number of, of black and Asian people who are uh, who are who are in our church and uh, certainly at our welcome lunches over the last few years that's that's been really noticeable which is uh which is wonderful <laughs> something i'm really excited about it's great yeah yeah so so yeah so we've seen him we've seen emmanuel change a lot and um and and there's some good stuff is there what other things you know obviously we're we're, we're engaging in this sermon series and we've got these home group materials thinking about matters of race and ethnicity and how as a church we can be really diverse and really inclusive of people from all sorts of different backgrounds what what, what are the things that for, that for you would be um kind of important in helping us to do that really well i think for me what's been really great is having darius coming in speaking to us if we could continue and have speakers from other cultural backgrounds so we could share in their experiences of how they came into Christianity and how they've found it. I think that would be really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Indica, yeah. can I press you on that a bit? So, so, so what, why is that important for you? Because I think everyone's journey into Christianity is different. And I think there could be certain cultural factors at play. So it could be that some of always they were raised Christian, or it could be that some people came to faith later on in life. And I think hearing about how they, how their journey started, because everyone's different. So I think it'd be really good to get different perspectives mm -hmm. rather than just mm -hmm. having the one narrative of, oh, I went to church as a child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was my journey into it. <laughs> and I've stayed here forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, um, for me, food is always a big part culturally I think so it would be really nice to kind of 
break bread with everybody, um, whether it's within your home group or having some home groups join together and have a meal together and share and jollof rice, which, you know, it's funny. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the most important things. But I also think um, having a discussion, not just within a service, but um, maybe it, whilst we're eating, we have a speaker come in and talk to us about their faith and as Indica said, how they got to their faith, but how they found it and their journey um, as a black person or as an Indian, um, you know, Chinese, you know, whoever, and just to, for people to really understand putting those two things together, mm-hmm. um, your faith and your culture and how they can work for good really mm-hmm. and how the, the two can can intertwine mm-hmm. yeah. yeah great what yeah. would you like to see more of then uh, well uh, well I, th- I think for me something really important to Emmanuel is is, uh, is is getting some more diversity across our leadership structures and, and we have we have we have some but I think there's scope for more and for me mm-hmm. that's that's so that so that we get to hear and see things from a perspective that we don't naturally uh, see things from. And so, we, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think more and we, we are trying to think more, you know, well, how might this affect people from a different culture or indeed a different uh, background or a different socioeconomic group or a different gender or, or whatever. But, but actually, there's only so far you can take that. And so it's really helpful, mm-hmm. I think, to have those different voices um, on our leadership. And so that's, that's something that we're, we're thinking about and working towards. Yeah. And Arab, I think one thing that you you said as well was about um, kind of musical worship and uh, the importance of that. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, being part of our music ministry has been, I mean, it's such a joy. It, it and I think where Stuart has, you know, embraced different styles and you know asked me to add you know, let him know about different styles that I like. But I think it's important that it's not, I'm not the spokesperson for, um, I think, uh, you know, black gospel music. Um, So I'm sure that there are so many artists that I don't even know of. And it'll be just really, really nice to hear from even the congregation, but finding a balance for everyone to feel included Mm-hmm. and to feel that they're worshipping in a way that's comfortable for them mm-hmm. um and that because the point is to help you to become closer to god in in that process mm-hmm. um and to feel touched by the words and i think that's as long as we get that in our music then the job is done mm-hmm. you know connect that connection yeah, yeah. brilliant <laughs> guys thank you so much for um for just spending some time and um yeah um yeah re- really really appreciate you, appreciate you doing that and i'm sure we're we're only at the tip of the iceberg here but uh but it's good to start the conversations and and uh, and think a bit about what we might do so yeah thanks very much for your time really appreciate it no, thank you thanks for um, giving us the opportunity brilliant 
Thank you so much to Indica and Araba for engaging in that. And what I want to do now for the last few minutes is just to build on that conversation and on the conversations we've been having in our listening group on, on some of what Darius said last week and also from this passage of John encouraging us to love one another uh, with actions. So I want to just give us a few love in action points to think about and consider. So love in action number one. We need to acknowledge that there is a problem of racism. We need to acknowledge that this isn't a problem that just exists in America. We have a problem of racism here in our country. I don't know if any of you have seen the, uh, the Sainsbury's Christmas advert this year of a family reminiscing about past Christmases and about their dad's gravy in particular. And the family in that advert are black. And this week, my brother-in-law showed to me some of the Twitter responses to that advert. Just some despicable, vitriolic, racist abuse. It was heartbreaking and devastating to read. We have a problem of racism in our country. We have a problem in the church as well. The archbishops have admitted this. They've said there is uh, institutional racism across the Church of England and are seeking to address it. We need too to admit that there are issues of racism in our church here at Emmanuel. Problems, I think, mostly of tacit racism and unconscious bias. But problems nonetheless that we need to address. And perhaps too in our own lives we need to admit that we have problems of racism in our own hearts. Those are not easy things to admit. One of the things that, that has become apparent to me over the course of the last couple of years as we've been engaging in these conversations is that this isn't just me, you know, I'm not a racist. Me just looking at others and saying, well, you need to change. Actually, it's about me needing to change. The things in my life, the ways in my life which unconsciously, tacitly express views of race that are not godly. So I think for each of us we need to acknowledge that there is a problem. And for some of us that will feel quite obvious and for some of us that will feel quite hard. And I want to say if, if you're not sure about that, I'd love to have a conversation, a non-judgmental conversation with you. Um, give me an email or a call. Let's talk about it. So love in action number one, we need to uh, admit there is a problem. Love in action number two. Let's engage in some conversations. As we've already been saying, just talking about this stuff is challenging, but it's also remarkably healing. Let's find ways to engage in conversations across our church and across our community. Now, I understand that that can be hard. And actually, that can be hard for a number of different reasons, depending on who we are and where we are coming from. I understand, actually, that for those people who here in South Croydon are in the minority in one way or another, despite perhaps being in a global majority, but here being in a minority, it's hard to open up to those conversations. There's worries about being hurt uh, or offended. I get that, but I'd like to encourage each of us to to open up to that. It's hard also, too, for those of us who happen to be in the majority here. It's hard because we're nervous about saying the wrong things or putting our foot in it 
You might have noticed in that conversation I just had with Araba and Indica there. That was my nervous voice. Now, I didn't have any need to be nervous because I've known Araba and Indica for ages. They're in our home group. They are wonderful and lovely. And yet in that conversation, I was still a bit nervous because I'm worried about putting my foot in it. And for those of us here in South Croydon, those of us who are white, that's something that we need to get over. So I want to say I understand it's hard, but push through that because it is worth it. Because those conversations, though challenging, are incredibly uh, rewarding and potentially life-changing for us and for those around us. So love in action one, let's admit there's a problem. Love in action two, let's engage in conversations at home, at church, in school, in our workplace. Let's, let's genuinely and openly talk to one another. If we do so with a true heart, then there will be so much good that comes from it. Love in action number three. Let's help one another to truly belong. Very often in churches, actually what we ask people to do is not to belong, but to fit in. And that is something completely different. The psychologist and author Brené Brown says this. Fitting in is about assessing a situation to see who you need to be to be accepted. Belonging does not require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Here at Emmanuel, we are so keen that people from all backgrounds, who come from all different countries, with all different skin colours, can truly belong. And so we want to think about ways that we're not asking people to fit in, that is to change who they are, but rather how they can belong to be who they are here at Emmanuel. There's a variety of ways that we are thinking about this, uh, some of which are kind of institutional and some of which are uh, individual. So institutionally, uh, we want you to know that we are thinking about, uh, how, about our leadership structures and how we can be more diversely represented across them. Our PCC, our ministry team, our leadership team, we have some diversity, but we want more because we want to be able to hear voices uh, from a different uh, backgrounds, from different perspectives, speaking into our life here at Emmanuel. Now, it's not easy to make changes really quickly in this. We're not promising you know, that by tomorrow, suddenly everything's going to change. But we are saying that this is on our hearts and minds. And please, hold us to account. If you don't see any changes over the next several months, come and knock on John's door and my door, uh, because we want you to hold us to account. In our services too, we want to be more uh, diversely representative, representative. Because as Indica said in that conversation uh, that we just had, actually f for many people, uh, well in fact for all of us, seeing people who we can relate to uh, at the front is so important. And so we want to find ways uh, to foster that across our services. Maybe God's speaking to you about being involved in that. And if that's right, again, come and chat with John and with me. We'd love to talk with you about that. We're also thinking about how our services take place, what goes on within our services. Araba was talking there about music, uh, and that's something that we're thinking about. But across our services, how is it that we help people to belong rather than to be made to fit in? Again, there aren't a bunch of easy answers here. But again, please hold us to account. And what about hospitality? 
Araba there spoke about food and the importance of food. I'm very down with that. And as we come out of these coronavirus times, hopefully, as a church, these are things we can be thinking about. Araba there suggested some ideas of what we might do across home groups or um, other events we might run. But what about us as individuals? How might we extend true hospitality to those who are different from us? Darius last week was talking about the fact that Peter and Cornelius, kind of by rights, shouldn't have been seen dead anywhere near each other. But they crossed that cultural divide, and it was so important and so healing. How might we do that in our lives? And this goes for all of us, whatever our our colour, our culture, our background. Are we reaching out to others to show hospitality, to enable them to really belong? So I want to ask you a question. And this is not a guilt trip question. This is a genuine question. And I'm going to give us a moment of quiet to think about it and to, to really answer it in our minds. Over the last two years, let's say, because the last year has been pretty strange, over the last two years, of the people that you've invited round for dinner or out to the pub or round for a cup of tea or however you socialise, how many of those people have been people who look or sound different to yourself? How many of those people have been from a different culture or background or who speak a different first language or who have a different skin colour? For a moment in quiet for each of us to actually uh, and honestly uh, think about that. I wonder what your answer was. You see, the, the thing is, it's so much easier to just socialise with people who are like us. That's, that's our natural inclination. It was Peter and Cornelius's natural inclination. But if we want to genuinely love one another with, wor- with actions as well as with words, we somehow have to push ourselves to overcome that. I wonder what might that look like for you. There are so many other things we could talk about, so many other actions we could take, and let's be really clear, what we're doing here is starting the conversations, we're opening it up, we've got so far to go. But there were just a few things that we might want to do this week, this month, this year, in order to help people from all races, ethnicities, colours, backgrounds, to feel that they belong here at Emmanuel, for us to belong here together, for us to live out this godly, self-sacrificial love, not just in what we say, but in what we do as well. That's the kind of love that John, in his letter, is calling us to. It's the kind of love that the theology that Darius expounded to us last week prompts us to live out. It's the kind of love that we want to express here at Emmanuel. Join us on our journey as we seek to live that out together. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. 
For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.